Hello friends and welcome to another week of Bible study on Bill's Facebook page, also on the um, West Irwin Church of Christ pages. I'm Bill Allen. I'm glad that you are joining me. We are coming to you live if you're watching at 3 p.m. Central Time from downtown Tyler. A beautiful day. We've had some wonderful sunshine. Uh, some very mild temperatures in the evening and at night and fairly mild during the day. Won't be long before we'll be at 90 pretty quickly here in Texas for the summer and the late spring. But that's okay. That's where we are. I hope that you are safe and well and I'm looking forward to these next um, few weeks of Bible study because we are going to be in one of my favorite books of the Bible and that is the book of Psalms. We're going to introduce the Psalms today in just a moment or two, but first we have a couple of stories still to go and some uh, wonderful joyous passages to read. Uh, it's an exciting time for Israel because uh, King David has brought the nation to a great sense of unity. He has overcome some important challenges as we've seen, but he has overcome them. And he is the man after God's own heart, as is described in Scripture. But he is not a sinless, perfect man by any means, but he is a good leader. And he has a genuine love for God, a genuine love for God's Word. And we're going to see that in wonderful, beautiful ways over the next few weeks as we read through many of the Psalms that are found in our Bible. Uh, today, we begin with a moment of falling for King David. Uh, we've seen him fall before, and he surely falls again here later in his life, as he is perhaps a little proud of the the uh, wonderful conditions in the the nation with his people. Uh, his he has overcome again some some very big threats, including from his own son Absalom, as we saw last week in his own sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, but he has gotten past that. And now things are uh, much at peace. And so David, for some odd reason, probably pride, uh, calls on the commander of the army, Joab, to uh, make a census of all the fighting men. Perhaps he's just wanting to know for his own benefit, uh, for his own pride's sake, as I said, how many are there. Joab thinks it's a bad idea. It's understandable earlier, for example, when they crossed into the promised land and Joshua needed to know how many were fighting and were ready to fight when King David became king. Well, sure, we could understand that. But there's no real point to it now um, other than David wanting to kind of uh, uh, poke out his chest a little bit and uh, take a moment celebrating the success of King David. Joab tries to talk him out of it. It doesn't work. Joab doesn't even finish the job because it's uh, it has it has such a bad taste in his mouth. And sure enough, God is not pleased either. And so God uh, condemns what David has done. And again, David repents, but God says, well, I, you're going to be punished. And so I'm going to give you three options. God tells uh, King David in in First uh, Chronicles 21, he says, you can have three years of famine or you can have three months at the uh, hand of your enemies or you can have three days of plague from the hand of God. And David says, I've done a bad thing. Uh, it, it, I'm in a bad place, but 
let me fall into the hands of the mercy of God. And so he chooses the three days of plague. And sure enough, not long, on, not long after that, 70,000 of the fighting men uh, of the people of Israel are uh, killed. And David cries out to the Lord and says, look, this was all on me. I'm the shepherd. Please don't punish the sheep. And he looks up and he sees the angel of the Lord ready to strike Jerusalem. But God stops him. And he stops him right there. And they're at a very special place. It's a threshing floor where they thresh the wheat. And it's owned by a man by the name of Arauna in Jerusalem. And David says, I want to buy this, this bit of land from you because this is a very sacred place. And I want to put an altar there to the Lord. And so David does buy it from him. Uh, and Arauna first says, I'll just give it to you. And David says, no, 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 as he's done before. I, I'm not going to offer up to, the God, to God a, a sacrifice on an altar that has cost me nothing. And so he pays for it. He buys it. And, uh, and he builds an altar there and makes sacrifices to the Lord. And it is there at that site where the angel of the Lord stopped this plague that David says this is where the Ark of the Covenant will ultimately rest. This is where we'll build the Holy of Holies for that Ark to be housed in. This is the place where the temple of the Lord shall be built. It's just an incredible story of a moving story of what happens when someone repents and turns to the Lord and, and accepts the penalty and punishment that they've been given takes responsibility for their sins and then uh, celebrates the mercy and forgiveness of God. It is why the capital is in Jerusalem and it is why Jerusalem is called the city of David. It became his capital and now this spot will become his uh, the place where the temple will be built. But it won't be built by King David. It will be built by his son, uh, Solomon. And so now the next section, uh, David is beginning to prepare the people and his son Solomon for uh, that special transition. Remember the, the son that David and Bathsheba had when she was still married <clears throat> to Uriah or right after that that she had they had conceived while Uriah uh, was away uh, fighting David's battles. And then uh, he um, send and put Uriah on the front line, put a note to the commander to have the troops pull back when the fighting is fierce so that Uriah would be killed. Ultimately, David married Bathsheba and then uh, was confronted by Nathan the, prop, the prophet and repented. And wrote that beautiful psalm that we've read, Psalm 51 wrote another psalm psalm 32 expressing what it feels like to have your sins forgiven by the lord well it is that david and that bathsheba that have this other son a later son by the name of solomon and solomon is the one who will follow david onto the throne but before that david wants to prepare him <clears throat> and he wants to prepare the people as well for the building of the temple. And so we first of all read in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 this very significant charge that David brings to his son uh, who will be king, Solomon, son of David and Bathsheba. David writes in 1 Chronicles 22 uh, starting in verse 5, 
Then David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. He did the planning and the designing, as we're going to see in a moment, raised the funds and the materials. But it was Solomon who would build that temple. Then verse 6 of First Chronicles 22. Then David called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, but this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now listen to what David shares with his son. Verse 11, Now, my son, the Lord be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The same charge that Joshua received when he replaced Moses as the leader of God's people. Be strong and courageous. David says the same thing to his son Solomon. Be strong and courageous. Uh, be a part of God's law and keep it handy. And learn it and know it and obey it. And your reign in Israel will be a great one. And you will always have command and leadership in the nation of Israel. A very wonderful charge indeed. And then we read in First Chronicles 28, the plans continuing to be made and looking ahead to the time when Solomon would build the house of Israel. First uh, Chronicles chapter 28, beginning at verse 6. God said to me, David says, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving in carrying out my commands and laws as is being done at this time. A tribute to King David. So now, verse 8 of First Chronicles 28, So now, David says to his son, I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. 
It is not just the New Testament that calls on God's people to follow him wholeheartedly, to follow him from deep within. Yes, the Old Testament was on tablets of stone, and Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31 looks ahead to a new covenant. But even in the times and the days of the Old Covenant, David is one example who got it. He understood that we were to follow God from our hearts with wholehearted devotion, and he tried to uh, cause his son Solomon to learn that and to know that and to live by that as well. Well, throughout the rest of 1 Chronicles 28 and then in the chapter 29, the people, starting with their leaders, give great gifts for the building of the temple. It's going to be a massive project, a beautiful, beautiful place built with gold and silver and bronze and just an amazing, amazing structure. And that takes money and that takes skills and God provides all of that. And the people, beginning with the leaders... In First Chronicles 28, the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. First Chronicles 29, verse 6. And then verse 7, they gave toward the work on the temple of God. And it lists their amazing gifts. And all the people were, um, were, were loving it. Because in First Chronicles 29, verse 9, it says this, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. I think it should not be lost on us who are leaders in the church today to realize that same truth is seen today. People are going to do what we do. They're going to follow our lead. They're going to follow our example. The Apostle Paul understood that. To the Corinthians he wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Are you willing to tell people follow my example? It's not going to be perfect. And by all means, don't follow me in the ways where I fail. But follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The people of David's day, the leaders, not just King David, but all of the leaders, they gave willingly and generously and joyously. And the people saw that. And here's what happened as a result. Starting in verse 10 of First Chronicles 29. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. A wonderful song of praise and during this very joyous time of giving. And then verse 14 of 1 Chronicles 29, David says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What a great statement. Who are we to be able to give like this? And shouldn't that be our attitude always? Whether we're giving a little or a lot, 
we realize that all of it is God's. It starts there. And then we realize, well, there's some things that I can give. I can give for the work of the church. I can give for the spreading of the gospel. I can give for the needs of those in my community that are helped. I can give to situations such as going on in Europe right now with the Ukrainian refugees in Poland and, and Western Ukraine and other countries. We can do that, and we do that joyfully. Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And when we give, we, do not, we don't give grudgingly. If we need it, then we keep it. But what we can give, we give. And we give according to what we have, Paul writes. And David saw his own example followed by the other leaders of the people of Israel so that they celebrated the joyous giving and sacrificing of their leaders first of all. Uh, and then David sings this wonderful song of praise. He continues in First Chronicles 29 verse 15. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. David knew that firsthand. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. What a great prayer for leaders to pray. Verse 19, and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. And then Solomon is acknowledged as the king of Israel, and ultimately David will pass away. But before we get to that part in the narrative, as we continue this daily Bible reading, we read these great psalms. And we will be reading in the psalms over the next several weeks. And so a few things about them before we close today, as you are going to be reading them uh, every day in your daily Bible reading for a while until um, around May 11th or so, I think it is. There are 150 Psalms. We've already read some. We won't read some in this next section, but we'll read the majority of them in this next section. They come from different authors and historical settings. And remember, the best way to know what the setting is of a psalm is by what it says, by the content. David is the main contributor. Also, Asaph, a Levite in the time of David and some others, as you have seen in your reading. Uh, some of the psalms have headings, about a hundred of them. And again, as we have said, they're not uh, inspired writings, but they are likely accurate. Uh, that give us some help in understanding the historical setting. Uh, the Psalms are about poetry, and they are about uh, giving over yourself to God, and they come from all kinds of different types. And we're going to begin with these Psalms that call on God's comfort and God's strength. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Thursday as we continue to begin and read through these wonderful Psalms to the Lord. 
May God bless you.